0: I think it's important that we go back and look at the context of today's gospel. This is Luke chapter 15. I like to call it the chapter of mercy. Because the whole chapter includes these three beautiful parables that we just heard about mercy. But as Jesus begins these parables, this teaching... The context is set by Luke, the evangelist. And he said, tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus addressed this parable, I think, I think it's really important that we take that into consideration here in order to better understand what Jesus is wanting to communicate to them and to us. The scribes and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day, and they were very self-righteous. Jesus elsewhere in the gospel called them hypocrites, Jesus didn't go around saying those kinds of things to too many people, but these scribes and Pharisees really got underneath his skin, you could say. They really upset him, and so it was to them that he addressed these parables, and I like to say that these parables, especially the prodigal son, one that we're very familiar with, is like a snapshot of the heart of our God. If you want to know what God thinks, if you want to know how God feels, meditate on today's gospel over and over again. Because I think it smacks us all in the face. In one way or another, I think we all have a tendency to be more like the younger son or to be A little bit more like the older son. And there's a little bit of both in all of us. If you don't admit that, today's gospel is not going to help you. (laughs) So I think we all have to be humble. We all have to admit that there's a little bit of both in all of us. Especially if we're here on a Sunday morning. You know, we can tend to be the self-righteous ones. You know, well, heck, I went to Mass on Sunday. I did what I was supposed to do. And that younger brother or sister of mine, yeah, they slept in today, or you know, my neighbor, yeah, they're getting ready to watch football already, you know, and I might be thinking about football the whole mass today, but at least I'm here. I am excited about football, just in case you're wondering. And I like to wear green on Sundays, just in case you were wondering. Yes, I'm from Wisconsin. But in all seriousness, In all seriousness, we have a beautiful snapshot of God's heart today. So let's reflect on what Jesus is communicating here. First of all, you got the younger brother, the younger son, the younger brother. What is it about younger brothers when they have an older brother? Well, they typically look up to the older brother. Anybody here have an older brother? I don't. I'm the older brother, actually. But if you have an older brother, or you know people who have older brothers, you typically look up to them, right? You look to them to be an example. And as we take the whole story into context, we can imagine that this younger brother was thinking to himself as he looks at his older brother, who's kind of stiff-necked, who's kind of tight, you know, rigid, a rule follower. He's thinking to himself, well, this guy isn't too much fun, really. My older brother is really not all that much fun, honestly. So I don't really want to live like that for the rest of my life. And so he says to himself, well, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than this. So what does he do? He asks his dad for his inheritance. Whether or not he was blaming his dad, we don't really know. But he certainly didn't want to stay in the father's house. He did not want to stay in his father's house. He's like, get me out of here. There's got to be more to life than this. Anybody ever feel like that when they were growing up? We all did, I'm sure, at some point. Especially once we became teenagers and got our driver's license. Get me out of here! Now I'm free! Woo! We got all these young people over here. This is great. (laughs) That's why I'm looking over here, guys. Hi. So, he asks for his share of of the inheritance, which is really kind of like saying to your dad, drop dead. Drop dead, dad. I know better. Give me what's coming to me right now, and off I go. And off he goes. And as it says, famine struck that country, that far distant land, you know, which is all symbolic of just how far away from his father and from God he was. And then he was sent to the farm to tend the swine. Again, if there's a Jewish crowd, just think about that. They don't even eat pork, right? So to tend the swine is like the lowest of the low. This was the proverbial rock bottom for this younger brother. He hit rock bottom and he came to his senses. He came to his senses. Maybe some of you have hit rock bottom and come to your senses by the grace of God. By the grace of God. And so he goes back to his father's house. And he admits that he was wrong. That's important. That's really important. When we're wrong, we have to admit that we're wrong. There's something liberating about that. We have to acknowledge the truth when we've been wrong. And so the father catches sight of him when he's still a long way off. Was that an accident? Was that just some kind of a, you know, happenstance? No, it wasn't. It was to show that the father was looking for him, was longing for him to come back, was hoping that he would come back. And so what does he do? He runs to his son. He embraces him. He kisses him. Filled with compassion. Compassion. And the son goes into his rehearsed act of contrition, you could say. And as soon as the father realizes that his son is sorry, he immediately snaps his fingers and orders his servants to bring the finest robe and put it on him and put a a, a ring on his finger, new sandals on his feet, slaughter the fattened calf, let us celebrate because the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and has been found. What's the father doing? What is all of this symbolic of? The father is restoring his son's dignity. He's restoring his dignity. The son forfeited that. That's what we all do when we sin on some level. We, we not only offend God, but we, in a sense, forfeit our own dignity as children of God. That's why in the first reading, God the father got so angry. He's like, This isn't right, what they're doing. This isn't right. They're forfeiting their dignity. As my children, they're worshiping a molten calf. Ah! You know, when are they going to learn? When are they going to learn? So he was just beside himself. But... He wants nothing more than for us to know our dignity and to have that restored when we turn back to him. And it's true, we don't deserve that. The younger son was right in in admitting that. I don't deserve it. That's true. And for any of us to think that we can somehow earn that or deserve that is a lie. We can't earn it. We can't deserve it. And that's really what mercy is all about. When we say, Lord, have mercy, what are we saying? Lord, please don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. Please don't treat me the way I deserve to be treated. And God says, I'm not going to. I forgive you. I love you. Come back. I've always wanted you here. I'm happy that you're you're back. So then the older son, the party pooper, who hears the music and the dancing and wants nothing of it when he learns that it's because his younger brother, his punk brother, has returned home. You mean that punk kid who squandered your inheritance on loose living? You're going to celebrate his return? Are you nuts? Whoa. Do you feel that? It's in there. It's in there. So he himself isn't in the house. You have to notice that. The younger son went way out of the house. The older son, though, he refuses to go in the house. He refuses to go in. Because he is so rigid. Because he's so focused on the law and his own self-righteousness. That he can't appreciate the mercy of his own father towards his younger brother. Because he himself has a hard time admitting his own need for mercy. The father says, my son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead as, and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. So as I said, there's a tendency in all of us to go both ways at times. Because we want to feel good about who we are. And sometimes we find security in what we do. We want to define ourselves by what we do and by what people think about us. When we should really only look one place to be defined, to our God. God wants us to look at him. God wants us to come to him, to be defined, to know who we are. Because when we go to him, he assures us that we are loved unconditionally, that we are always wanted, and that we will always have a place in his house. And that everything he has is ours. He's holding nothing back. God doesn't want to hold anything back from any of us. And that speaks even to the original sin. When the devil tempted Adam and Eve to doubt God's goodness and his providence and his desire to make us happy. Did God really say that? You know, is God really going to be good to you? Why don't you eat from that tree? You know, it's, it's, it's the only tree that you can't eat from. But, but it's because God knows that when you eat that, you'll be like him. And he's trying to keep that from you. He really doesn't want you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be truly happy. He's keeping something from you. He's denying you something. Because he's, he's afraid of you or what you'll do. The devil just kept sowing that lie over and over and over again, just like he does today to all of us. And they fell for it. And we fall for it, unfortunately. So we ask God for mercy. And we thank him. I think one of the sentiments that should just be springing up in our hearts right now is, is gratitude, gratitude to God for his mercy, for his goodness. That he is with us. Even on 9-11, God was right there in the midst of all of that pain and suffering. Do you remember that one picture of the, of the cross made out of steel beams that just happened to show up in the middle of all the rubble? God was there. Remember how full the churches were 21 years ago after 9-11? Remember how you felt? There was this sense of solidarity even in New York City of all places because I have, I have friends who lived there and, and went down into Manhattan on 9-11 and in the days that followed. There was this sense of solidarity. And I think that's what God wants to do constantly with all of us to affirm us in our true identity our sacredness, our holiness our goodness and when that's trampled on like it was on 9-11 we all reacted we all reacted that's not right I mean it's so sad but we reacted too "That, that isn't right what they did that never should have happened And that's true of all sin. That's true of all sin. But especially that sin which tends to undermine the dignity of each and every human life yours and mine, elderly and unborn. Right? So let's pray today for the grace to appreciate our own dignity first and foremost. As children of God, let's ask the Lord to help us to know our true identity, the sacredness that we have that we possess that comes from him. And then let's ask him to see that in all of our brothers and sisters. So we can look into the eyes of one another and see the glory of God reflected in one another. And love that the way that God loves us. Amen.